0: sound
1: Living
2: with your dog, living with your dog, living with your dog with Charlotte. Hi, welcome to Living with Your Dog. I'm Charlotte Peltz, certified dog behavior consultant. Listeners know that I am a huge fan of Susan Fixton, the truth about pet food lady. And I encourage all of you actually to sign up for her blogs. Um, You'll learn a lot. So this is um, her post about pet food ingredients. Thank you, Dr. Sharon Center. And Susan says, for at least seven years, a group of veterinarians have been trying to get FDA's and AAFCO's attention regarding a serious concern of pet food. These vets have been telling and telling and telling the FDA and the AAFCO that copper levels in pet food are too high. They have been documenting and providing that documentation to FDA of an increase of dogs with dietary-induced copper-associated hepatopathy, CAH. The problem, the FDA and the AAFCO have not established a maximum copper level in pet food. Complete and balanced pet foods can contain any level of copper above the established minimum. From the Cornell Veterinary School, CAH, remember that's copper-associated hepatopathy, occurs when the amount of dietary copper ingested exceeds a dog's tolerance level and accumulates in the liver. Once in the liver, it can cause acute, severe liver inflammation with immediate disastrous consequences, or it can cause chronic insidious damage over time, resulting in widespread scarring of the liver cirrhosis and liver failure, end of quote. Wow. Back in 2015, a veterinarian in Michigan experienced the death of his own dog, C.A.H. He tried to convince FDA there was a problem, but no luck. The FDA ignored his documented concerns. Wow. The nerve of them, right? right? The nerve of them. In the seven years since, veterinarians have published papers documenting the copper problems. One in 2019 and another in 2021. The FDA continued to keep their head in the sand, ignoring the problem. Before I continue, you know, obviously it's they are being led around by the power of the money in the pet feed industry as compared to science. Okay, so but Dr. Sharon Center wasn't taking no for an answer. Dr. Center participated in the FDA's pet food listening session. Providing even more evidence that copper levels in pet foods were a concern, and there would be a link if you went to if you got that uh, that blog. Her presentation starts at one ten on that video, and we learned at the January twenty twenty two AAFCO meeting, Dr. Center continued to pressure FDA to do something about the the copper problem. FDA told meeting attendees Dr. Temper requested a follow-up meeting with FDA where she again provided FDA with evidence of diet-induced liver disease directly linked to copper levels in pet food. FDA stated at the AAFCO meeting that this is an issue that is not going away. FDA told AAFCO a copper maximum will need to be established. Thank you to Dr. Sharon Center and all veterinarians that continue to pressure FDA to listen. Your persistence is appreciated, and pet owners can read more about dietary induced copper associated hepatopathy from Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine. And the same page, there's a link, also provides recommendations on how to to report any suspect issues FDA, and share the Cornell Veterinary School post with your veterinarian. And wishing you the best, Susan Fixton. And again, here we have a situation where. A problem is being brought to the surface by, in this case, a veterinarian, but pet owners. It's not being discovered by the industry. They are not properly policing, examining, investigating, following up, checking to see if things are working. And this has happened in the past. Um, Taurine, back some years ago. Proved to be the death of a number of cats. Cats get taurine from meat, and they have they can use up some. But the dog, the cats were dying, and it was finally discovered that they were not getting adequate taurine. And then began they began to add it to the pet feed food. So these are this is not just an isolated incidence. These uh, situations um, occur. all too too frequently. I mean, it's not an everyday thing, but it occurs too frequently. It's just another reason for people to be preparing their dog's food in their own kitchens. You know what's going into it. And people will say, oh, well, you know, um, it's not organic. I'm not kidding. Do you think there's organic in, in, in the general feed that comes out there? And we've talked before about the fact that it's not legal for pet feed food companies to indicate that something is um, human grade. If, if, not, if everything in that formula isn't human grade and made in a human grade processing plant, it has to be the whole package. It can't just be that there is something that's organic in there. And so it's an organic product. And, and when it comes to healthy um natural, those are all words that mean nothing. They just, you know, arsenic and lead are natural, let's be serious. It doesn't mean it's healthy, but we don't have definitions in a lot of cases. So it's very difficult for people to properly evaluate what's actually in the package of stuff that they're buying and giving to their animals. And learning to read the label, and I've mentioned this before because I can recall years ago. Um, trying to discuss on one of the email groups I belong to that vets don't study nutrition. And there was a vet student in the group. And, oh, yeah, yeah, we study it. Well, when she was pinned to the floor, <laughs> she said, well, they did have a lecture on how to read labels. <laughs> and, and that shows you how important it is. They, the companies do not want the labels to be easily understood. And that, that goes back to the fact that we cannot get actual definitions of ingredients in pet feed food. It, it's not allowed. You, you think, you think for example, when you see chicken on the package, and we've talked about this, you're thinking chicken. Because if you see chicken on a package for human beings, it is chicken. There's no question about it. But what may be in that bag could be beaks and feathers and toenails. Ew. And there's no way for you to know. Now, sometimes you can contact the, the companies that make it. And we've been through this before also, where uh, Susan Thixton went round and round with a company. And you know, every time she would ask a question, she'd get a comment that had nothing to do with answering her question. So you can find yourself in that position, which, of course, is a red flag Meaning don't go to that product. If they're not coming right up and telling you precisely uh, the proper answer to your question, they are they're hiding something because if it were wonderful, they'd tell you <laughs> they would make sure you understood it. So anytime you've got d- this um, decisiveness and you've got this hedging and you've got this not answering your question business, know that there's a reason for it from their viewpoint.
1: Run away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, okay, so Charlotte, what is copper doing in? And we're talking about the dry dog feed, right? With the copper that the in copper general,
2: in. I think it is. Although I believe the highest percentages, I think they were in canned food. Now I believe that uh, there is some uh, minimum requirement for all of these metals. They're just part of the natural environment. You know, they're in animals and so on. So mm-hmm. there is uh, there there is the minimum requirement because it's been decided that dogs require some of this, but there hadn't been any maximum put on it. And that's where we got into problems.
1: So is this then um, this copper, is it part of the supplements that they're adding to the ingredients?
2: I don't know if it's, it's a supplement or it's actually part of the process of the animals that are being dealt with it could be, it could be added. I didn't, I didn't investigate that
1: because it, it just seems like it would be one of the supplements if they are finding the levels to be too high. I mean, it's not, Well, like- that makes
2: sense. That makes sense because if it were just naturally being presented, then it wouldn't be too high. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And um, so in, in the, the disease it is causing, I wasn't getting that last word, um, copper associated hip, uh, something,
2: Hepatopathy? Hepatopathy. Let's go back. Um, Hepatopathy. H-E-P-A-T-O-P-A-T-H-Y. Hepatopathy.
1: Hepatopathy.
2: Yeah. Dietary-induced copper-associated hepatopathy.
1: That don't sound
2: good. No. Um, And there, there is a problem with heavy metals in food, and some of that is a result of, for example, When you're talking in terms of fish for dogs, and one of the things in that uh, book review that I really did like was discussion of fish and dogs, and uh, salmon is a popular one, but they're high up on the feed feed food chain, and so they're inclined to have more mercury. Mm, right. Because of all the things that they're consuming. That's one of the things that uh, there are many reasons for sardines to be a fabulous additive to your dog's regular diet, but because they're small, they're not, uh, they're not going to be uh, harboring um, dangerous levels of any of the metals. And we know what are, you know, what's happening to our ocean. So, yeah.
1: So in that article, or the review by Susan Thixton about the article. Did it s- talk about um, uh, the signs that we would see in our dog uh, if they were to have copper associated hip, but
2: didn't mention that it. Um, it can cause acute severe liver inflammation for sure. Okay. So this is what it says. Um The CNH occurs when the amount of dietary copper ingested exceeds a dog's tolerance level and accumulates in the liver. So how are we to know then
1: if it accumulates in the liver? What kind of signs am I going to see in my dog?
2: Um, Well, severe liver inflammation has disastrous consequences. And so I think you're going to be seeing symptoms of the dog being uncomfortable, having pain. I don't know what all of the symptoms would be. But uh, it's worth, you know, for me to check it out and come up to you, come back to you. Um, Because the one thing that I'm thinking is cirrhosis. That's what it is. Yes. She mentions the word. I mean, that is dangerous stuff. Yeah. Resulting in widespread scarring of the liver, which is cirrhosis and liver failure.
1: Yeah. That's blood poisoning.
2: Yep. And see, the liver is what the body uses to filter the stuff that's not good for the body. Right. And anytime we are giving antibiotics for a good reason, it's still killing off all the, the bacteria in the body and the liver has to process all of that. So, you know, it's, it's been, it's been criticized of veterinarians for a very long time. They're much too quick to prescribe the uh, antibiotics. (gasps) And that's one of the benefits of alternative medicine in that the whole animal, the whole person is taken into consideration and it helps to determine how to approach a problem. So it's not just treat it or cut it out. It's let's let's reduce the acute uh, negative side right now, but let's find out why that's happening. And how to prevent it in the future, not just give it some pills and then be on your way. <laughs> and it's not the proper way, but that's what veterinary medicine is. Veterinary medicine and human medicine is not about prevention. Nope, it's about cure. So it takes alternative medicine practitioners to say, "Wait a minute, folks. Let's see what's going on that caused this, so we can prevent it in the future and have better control over it." And the other thing, of course, is that alternative uh, medicine veterinarians are also um, utilizing many forms of treatment like homeopathy, and a lot of people don't believe in that, but it's out there. And Chinese medicine, alternative Chinese medicine, which is a very popular um, pr- practical way of dealing with things, a lot of herbs and that's been around successfully for thousands of years right And we're not we're just now beginning to recognize it here. And I remember that happened with acupuncture. When, when acupuncture first surfaced in the United States, the veterinarians were saying, woohoo, stop, woohoo, okay. You know, let's not be silly. A bunch of needles poked into you. Give me a break already. <laughs> and then they discovered what it was. And wahoo, now we have educated uh, people that are doing acupuncture veterinarians and they got on the bandwagon but initially oh no 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 no, that's the wahoo, stuff so <laughs> because they didn't understand it and they didn't um make it up themselves it couldn't be any good
1: i can tell you that chiropractic uh, that uh, that stuff worked acupuncture works i can tell you and that. so does
2: chiropractic yes, so does chiropractic does. you know i was i was listening to something the other day um where And in several instances, this has happened to to people that are practicing veterinary medicine. I think this was, um, oh, I'm sure it was on Judy Morgan's uh, program talking in terms of she didn't know anything about chiropractic and then started to learn about it. And she could recall instances where somebody had to carry their dog in and she did some chiropractic work and the dog leapt off the table and jumped around and hopped out the door.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
2: So it's, it is a reality and it is something that is very definitely worth considering. And I think we're very fortunate in that a healing spirit up in the Eureka area, they have chiropractic service there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's re- That's okay. True.
1: So I'm glad you brought up antibiotics because I have a question for you. And um, well, first off, the way you were talking about it, it doesn't seem like antibiotics is always the
2: best for our dogs. It isn't because it's going to kill all the bacteria. It, it isn't, it isn't uh earmarked just for the bacteria that's causing whatever the inflammation and problem is. It kills off everything. So then you have to give time for the body to build back the necessary bacteria in the microbiome in the gut that is essential to proper digestion and the living a, a, a whole life. I mean, we're loaded with all kinds of bacteria. For the best mm-hmm. part of our, our you know, reasons for existing, it helps us. We've got bacteria all over the place, on us and in us and so on. So it's, it, it, uh, the unwise administration of antibiotics has been um, focused on a great deal that it's been too easy for vets to say, okay, that's what we'll do. And in part, because you bring your dog or cat in, and you, you are concerned about health, they want to send you out with a tool thinking that that's going to solve it. They, don't want, they want you to go away with something that you can do, thinking that that's going to work the, the solution. As compared to saying we need to do more studies, we need to run uh, some tests to find out if bacteria... If, if, and it's only bacteria. It's not going to treat a virus. If that's the case, and it takes a, a while for a culture to grow enough to be able to determine which bacteria would be suitable. Mm. And sometimes an emergency situation requires immediate treatment. But then there should be a culture going to figure out what you really need to be giving the dog and get them on it later, rather than just bombarding the system with this stuff. And very often, as I said, if a virus isn't going to be bothered, it's not going to be stopped with, bacteria, with um, antibiotics. It doesn't work for them. It works for bacteria. But you don't know what the bacteria is unless a culture is around so that the stuff can grow and give you a picture of what's actually happening. So there are various ways in which we need to treat inflammation and infection, which are not necessarily the same thing. But inflammation is often referred to as at the cause of everything. You know, it, 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 there's something inflamed going on when there's pain and when there's um, some kind of you know adverse reaction. So we're we're talking in terms of the importance of keeping our animals as free of inflammation as we possibly can. And that means a good diet. It means a good atmosphere. It means not a lot of stress beyond what they can gracefully handle. Everybody has to deal with some stress, but not a lot. And so all of this is part of good, healthy living.
1: Okay. So my friend has a dog and it has, she tells me it has a tooth infection and the vet put the dog on antibiotics and she is wondering what kind of supplements uh, she can give to her dog. To uh, to relieve the dog of the negative effects of the antibiotics.
2: Okay, I, I understand yogurt is a good idea, but I think you need to be sure that you're allowing the antibiotics to work before you start reducing their impact on the body. So you don't want to stop the the benefits of the the antibiotics, but you may want to be sure that you're then. I think yogurt is one of the the recommended ways, but I wouldn't do it right away because you want the antibiotics to work. Okay. Now, so
1: let the ant wait, because it takes a while for the antibiotics to get through the, the system of the body and starting to take effect. So we want to wait for that just to, to occur. I, th-
2: I think so. I think that's important. And okay. there are some areas of the body that are notoriously difficult to treat successfully. Um, uh, bladder problems apparently are very difficult to treat with antibiotics. Mm. And I think probably with the tooth problem, that's not quite as, as much the case. Um, But I think it's important that the antibiotics be given an opportunity to take action. I think that she should be asking her doctor what she can do to help the dog best survive dealing with antibiotics in, in the system she can start, she can go online and get some information and check with her doctor to see if this is something that he or she would suggest she follow through with. Now, depending on how allopathic the vet is that practices, that he's the old school and doesn't believe in anything that even begins to approach an alternative medicine approach, um, he's not going to go along with that.
1: Yeah, I guess it does depend uh, quite a bit on your vet and how the vet does his or her Absolutely.
2: Practice. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And so you you just actually suggested uh, that my friend seek out information
2: from a vet. I would go online and investigate the downside of antibiotics. And-
1: I, d- I did actually uh, do that, and I found a ton of stuff from our resources, Susan Thixton, Gene uh, Dodds, right. um, uh, Karen Becker, uh-huh. um, all about the the overuse and the dangers of antibiotics. Absolutely. Now, I, I did not send those uh, to my friend. I sent her something else, which was a little bit more holistic that I found um, because I didn't want to scare her with the overuses or the. Right,
2: right, right. That, for sure. Uh, the,
1: the misuses of antibiotics, but it, it does seem like it's, uh, it's a pretty important topic because as you said, vets just oftentimes take this and go away type of thing.
2: Yeah. Sometimes, as I said, they, they want to make certain that you feel satisfied that they're doing something uh-huh. for you instead of saying, we don't know. Right. Or you know, taking don't...
1: the time and making a culture of the, right. the bacteria. Right.
2: And that should be done, even though, as I said before, There are very often situations where action must be taken now. You cannot wait for the nine or 10 days for the culture to show you. So you treat now with the idea that you'll backpedal as much as you can after you have the information you require for the proper um, antibiotic to administer to the situation.
1: Yeah, man. I remember when I'm on antibiotics, when I've been on antibiotics before, they really, really destroy my stomach in my, my ability to have a, an appetite. And so, so when it comes to our dogs, you said yogurt is good uh, to, to help the dog while it's on so. antibiotics. Is there anything else? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Um, we'll, uh, the best, the best suggestion, like you said, is to use the re our other resources, Susan Thickston. Yeah, for sure. Aaron Becker. And,
2: and I'm a big fan of yogurt. Um, Angie always gets a big heaping tablespoon on her dinner at night. Um, yeah, I'm just a big fan. I think it's, it's a healthy uh, additive as well as canned pumpkin. Canned pumpkin we go. is kind of the latest. Um, health recommendation. And. It's interesting because it's it's a good treatment for diarrhea and it's a good treatment for constipation but it has um, it has a lot of other benefits and it's from the standpoint of if you're not going to be doing very much in the way of additives, I always start with omega3s and and then I think we can go for yogurt and, and pumpkin are other um, daily additives that have a number of benefits all around yeah.
1: All right. Let's talk a little bit deeper about the yogurt and the pumpkin. So there are tons of different yogurts when I go to that grocery store and a lot of them have fruits. A lot of them have like sugar added and stuff like that.
2: Only plain, not only plain. We never, we never want to be adding any sugar to the dogs. And that's what the big problem is with, with carbohydrate loaded dog food. Yeah. Dog food. It's that's sugar. That's right. sugar. And uh, it, the dogs, have a zero carbohydrate requirement. And I've seen this myself personally with a, a couple of instances over the years where trying to figure out why it, this dog is being so busy, 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 busy. <laughs> and way back when I knew diddly squat about nutrition And I remember seeing this dog that had been coming to a class when I was giving group classes and had been pretty well settled and calm and came in and was just like, (laughs) woohoo. And I I thought, what happened this week? And finally, just by way of accident, she told me that that she had switched food. Mm -hmm. And it was less expensive. She was trying to save some money. So it was higher in carbohydrates, Mm -hmm. sugar, Mm -hmm. and the dog was getting a sugar high. Yeah, and it, it was it was without a question of a doubt, going back to, a, a, still it was a still carb light loaded food, but going back to one that was more expensive, but with less sugar, the dog was more back to a normal behavior for that dog.
1: Yeah. All right. So no sugar in the yogurt, just plain yogurt for our dogs. I assume that's going to be the same for the canned pumpkin. Get a canned pumpkin with no sugar, just the pumpkin.
2: Absolutely. Just pumpkin. Very important. I'm glad you mentioned that. No, none of the spices, just pumpkin.
1: <laughs> but my dog likes strawberries, so I'm going to get it strawberry yogurt.
2: You can no. give real strawberries for sure. Real strawberries are wonderful. Strawberry yogurt, I'll bet you'll see that there is sugar in there in addition to strawberries. Blueberries have received a lot of attention, but berries in general
1: so people are really coming around to the yeah, uh, home it, preparedness. It has,
2: it has truly changed. Um, this, this was not something that even existed not very many years ago.
1: Not even 10 years ago.
2: No, no. It, this it's, is
1: brand new. You know,
2: and when I, when I first got started, and it was, as we've talked about before, it was thanks to Dr. Ean Billinghurst with his mm-hmm. book, Give Your Dog a Bone. And that goes back to the mid-90s. So I've been doing this a very long time a very long time. And it was what I thought about that was so convincing from his viewpoint was he had studied nutrition uh, and uh, that school, he'd done animal sciences and he, he'd gone to veterinary school. He was a licensed veterinarian. And it took a while before the commercial feed crossed the big pond. And when it did, he said, okay, folks, You've got to stop feeding that stuff that you've been giving the dogs. This is 100% balanced, and this is the way to go. The and dry dog admi- feed.
1: He switched the the to the dog dry dog food. feed.
2: And he admits that he watched their health decline, and he said, I'm sorry. Go back to what you were doing.
1: Wait, wait, wait. So the dry dog feed dilemma started here in America. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that is not surprising at all, knowing this country.
2: Yes, that's. this is where it started. Greed, greed. greed yeah um and it went it goes back a long time ago with S- Spratt. i think his name was that started off with some some biscuits that was based i think on the biscuits that that sailors had on on board like ship a
1: high protein type of thing
2: yeah but i don't think they were even high protein i think they were just something they didn't spoil that they could have there uh, and yeah, i think that's... i think that's what what got this man, I think it was scratch but got him started. It would be something that didn't spoil that um, would be readily available. And he began to come up with this stuff. Uh,
1: so the dry dog feed started in America. And I'm thinking, you know, uh, I was hoping at least that uh, the guy who came up with the dry dog feed in the first place was trying to do something good for their dog, but it sounds like he was just trying to make life easier for himself.
2: It's hard to know. Um, I think it was making easier, um, making it less expensive, maybe. Yeah,
1: making it easier for humans and not mm-hmm. not thinking about what the dog needs. It's just, okay, this is easier yeah. for me, so this is what he gets.
2: Right. Yeah,
1: for sure. Oh, I'm instead, so glad of, in, the world's changing. Yeah,
2: instead of species-specific nutrition, right. which is what we are promoting, we're, right. we're promoting species-specific nutrition living with your dog living with your dog living with your dog with charlotte okay more on on um human grade false and misleading again susan fixton in a recent press release mars care you know here we are mars oh this huge huge international company and i've read before about all of the products that they have and it was a page long type thing yep. so they announced a new pet food that included a human-grade claim on the label. And the human-grade is a capital H, capital G, in, in parentheses, in, in quotes. The new Fresh Chef, in quotes, line of dog foods from Morris Caesar is a refrigerated pet food available in a roll that looks remarkably similar to fresh pet dog food. Mm-hmm. The marketing images of the two pet foods even included the same white marble background with food ingredients scattered around and the same cut slices of dog food. But there's one big difference between the pet foods. The Mars Pet car sees our dog food has human grade claim on the label. Is Mars Pet Care making a human grade pet food? The legal requirements for human grade pet food are very clear. All ingredients food ingredients and supplements are required to be human edible and all manufacturing conditions have to meet human food standards. Regulations on the claim include a guidance document to clarify the requirements for pet food manufacturers and the document states in the definition the term human grade in quotes is false and misleading if the product as a whole is not human edible. Human grade claims may not be made for individual ingredients in a finished product does not fully adhere to the manufacturing and ingredient specifications listed identified above of quote. In other words, regulations consider it false and misleading for a pet food company to make a claim of human grade ingredients, even if it's true, unless the pet food is also made in a licensed human food facility. Pet food companies are held on to an all or nothing standard. Pet foods must meet all of the legal requirements to make a human grade claim, or they cannot make the claim anywhere, label or website. So to determine if the Mars Pet Care Cesar Pet Food was potentially misleading pet owners, I asked the company a few questions. And this is interesting to, to see the, the run around. And so below is the transcript of a cat I had with Mars Pet Care. And this was in December 21. I gave them my real name and my real email address. Me. Hi, Ashton. The new Cesar Fresh Chef product. Is that a human-grade pet food? Mars Pet Care Cesar, we can assure you that our animal proteins and ingredients are derived from animals intended for human consumption. For a manufactured pet food, both the individual ingredients and the final product must comply with these standards. Pet foods have their own set of strict standards and regulations as to what makes a nutritious, balanced meal and what does not. Here at Mars Pet Care, we complete over 300 of our own quality checks to ensure we aren't giving anything to your pets that we wouldn't give to our own. Bold on. <laughs> me. Are the foods manufactured in a human food facility or a pet food facility? Like Mars. They are manufactured in a USDA inspected facility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so did, is he answering her questions? Not at all. Okay. Okay. Um me, a USDA inspected facility. Under USD inspection, such as what is required of human food, Cesar. Happy to circle back with you. Any other questions? Me, yes, my previous question. Are the foods made under USD inspection? Cesar. Sounds great. Is human uh, Susan at human uh, Susan at truth about petfood.com your correct email? (laughs) (laughs) Me, yes. Does this mean you will email the response to my question? pet Pepcar. Yes, I will get back to you after connecting with our internal team to verify. Trouble is Mars Pepcare César did not answer my question via email. Mm. This was a potential troubling question to Mars. If by chance, the pet food is not manufactured in a licensed human food facility, it is as is required to make the label claim of human grade. And they admitted that to me, they would be admitting to false and misleading labeling. Now, we also have to think about the fact that if they were doing that correctly, they'd be shouting it from the rooftops. Totally. Instead of of skirting around with non-answers, to her questions, so it, goes, so it goes on. Does the Mars Pet Care Cesar pet food meet the requirements to use the human term human grade on the label or website? Or are they using the term in a false and misleading manner according to the label, to the legal guidance? Because Mars Pet Care Cesar did not fully respond to my questions. We don't know if this dog food meets the requirements to use the term human grade on their label and website. Because Mars Pet Care Cesar didn't respond The label was reported to regulatory authorities for their investigation and how to protect yourself and your pet from false and misleading human grade claims. Unfortunately for pet owners, because regulatory authorities rarely enforce labeling laws, more and more companies are misleading pet owners with claims of human grade, which means pet owners need to be fully aware of the laws in order to determine if a brand is misleading you or abiding by law. With the human grade claim, one, if the words human grade if quotes or similar are used anywhere on the label or the website, the pet food must use 100% human edible ingredients and supplements and must be manufactured in a licensed human food facility. Two, the legal guidance document for human grade pet food clearly states that pet food as a whole has to meet all the human grade requirements. The term cannot be used to reference individual ingredients. And three, the legal guidance document states the labeling requirements for human grade claims include marketing and/or website website claims, brochures, point of sale materials, websites, etc. And here's the legal definition of human grade pet food: every ingredient and the resulting product are stored handled processed and transported in a manner that is consistent and compliant with regulations for current good ma- manufacturing practices for human edible food as specified in the law and the link to afco document is there okay so uh, there was a link with hers uh to a document for human grade and a number of other things and she says if you find a pet food label or website. that's it's making human grade claims, but do not meet the legal requirements, report that to your State Department of Agriculture. Wishing you the best, she says. So
1: report to State De- state yeah, Department of Agriculture.
2: Yeah, it's, um, and there's a link. <clears throat> you can go to, of course, you can go to Truth About Pet Food uh, uh, for more information. Mm-hmm. Okay, and report it to, this is a, a um, a site ask cvm at fda.hhs.gov i'll oh, repeat that ask cvm at fda.hhs.gov now i didn't give you what's in capitals and what's in low case but it would probably work out anyhow if you did
1: yeah it's that. an email it doesn't matter so, okay
2: man oh. so the human
1: grade food it, it, what what strikes me though which you said at the very beginning or what Susan did at the very beginning was that on the label of this new food, the H and the G of the words human grade were in quotes, just the H and the G.
2: No, the, the words are in quotes. Human okay, grade. okay. Yeah. But it's a capital H and it's a capital G meaning it's a, it's a, a, um, a given term and that's in quotes. but it's in quotes. That's funny.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, so they're not really breaking the law. If it's in quotes, it's really people it's I'm doing air quotes right now. Human Uh grade. Yeah. We all know what that means.
2: Well, it's like, I don't know, in a helpful and, and, um, you know, it, 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 we don't have definitions. You know, it sells.
1: That, that's what it does.
2: It, it sells. It sells. Yeah, people read that and they stop reading, and that's too bad. That's what that we is too
1: bad. You know the you know the best way to get human grade food into
2: your dog. I wonder what the answer to that question is. A home prepared meal. <laughs> oh yeah, you think? <laughs> you think? Huh? What do you think about that idea? <laughs> yes, and even for you know, and we try to be relatively fair with our audience, recognizing that people have lives beyond their dogs and cats, that they have children to raise, they have jobs they must go to, they've got houses to take care of and laundry to do and on and on and on. And we recognize that. So we suggest always that if your compromise is that you're going to continue to buy packaged dry food. The least you can do is add healthy supplements to improve the overall health of the product that you're giving to the dog. And that means yogurt, it means berries, it means pumpkin, it means an egg a couple of times a week, it means some of your leftover vegetables when you've steamed them. Uh, These are all things that you can do to improve the vitamin mineral content and the quality of the protein. So most people, I don't buy for myself or from Angie and me, the 99 cent a dozen eggs. But if I were thinking in terms of the lifestyle that some of these people have to live, I see to it that I had a carton of 99 cent uh, a dozen eggs in the in that and the, the the refrigerator, so that I could pick out one a couple of times a week and and dump it into the bowl. And it's interesting. And she's she's very good about eating almost anything, but she does not like raw eggs. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> and I think it's the, it's the slimy texture. I mean, meat of course is, is slippery, but there's something about the raw eggs. So yes, what if- I. What about like hard boiling it and giving yeah, I, it Yeah, I just, what I do is I put it in a little dish in the microwave for about 30, 40 seconds and that's all it takes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I indulge her with that since she's so good about everything else.
1: Just okay. adding a little bit of real food makes a, bit
2: of- makes a big difference. And Steve, um, Steve, whatever his name is. Uh, the, the, Steve Brown. Steve Brown. And he says, even if you just add real food once a week, your dogs are ahead of the game better off than they would have been without it. So uh, don't uh, don't get down on yourself about what you can't do. Think in terms of what you can do. And that's having a few of these supplements around or things that are right in your kitchen on a regular basis that you can share. And I'm not talking about sharing it from your plate. I'm, I'm talking about putting it in the dog's bowl so they don't end up being begging and so on. Okay. How about this from Dr. Jennifer Coates? A doctor of veterinary medicine. Engage your cat's hunting instincts during Mm mealtime. Indoor cats may seem like mysterious creatures when one doesn't understand their basic needs. Keeping an indoor cat happy is all about satisfying their instincts and keeping them stimulated so they can live a happy and healthy life. Dr. Jillian Orlando, doctor of veterinary medicine and owner of a Carolina veterinary behavior clinic in Raleigh, North Carolina says, I think there are people who might get a cat because they think of them as low maintenance pets. However, Mm -hmm. cats require just as much effort on the owner's part to ensure they get adequate enrichment in their lives as a dog would. And here are some secrets from the experts for avoiding cat boredom, stress and disease by turning your home into a feline friendly environment that meets all of your cat's needs engage your cat's hunting instincts during mealtime hunting is a vital natural instinct and a great way for cats to expend energy according to dr kayla whitfield doctor of veterinary medicine at lakemont veterinary clinic in altoona pennsylvania hunting behavior consists of seeking out prey stalking chasing and biting this sequence satisfies their brain when it comes to their instinct to hunt Since indoor cats are provided with food, their opportunities to satisfy all their natural hunting behaviors are few and far between. So it's up to pet parents to help engage their kitty's hunting instincts. To keep your indoor kitty entertained during meal times, you can utilize certain strategies and tools to allow your cat to put their hunting prowess to work. Dr. Orlando provides a few examples on how to help engage your cat. During mealtime owners can make attempts to stimulate hunting scenarios by hiding small amounts of food in multiple locations there are even cat toy mice that can be stuffed with kibble or treats and hidden in the home dr alando recommends cat toys that mimic foraging behaviors like the kong active treat ball cat toy or smart cat peak prize toy box Even low-tech options like a shoebox with holes cut out and kibble tossed inside can be beneficial for cats, she says. And of course, the regular listeners know that I'm not a fan of of kibble for, for dogs and especially not for cats. But from the standpoint of getting them busy and entertained, it certainly makes sense to me to use some Form of dry cat food in these particular tiles toys, so that they can practice. But their main food would not be the dry kibble. Okay, Carolyn Moore, Carolyn Moore at KPTA. She's a trainer at Animal Alliances in Northampton, Massachusetts. Recommends cat treat toys as well because you can fill them with cat food kibbles or a few cat treats and hide them around the house. Once your cat figures out how to get the food out of the toys, try hiding them around the house for your cat to hunt. Catnip cat toys can serve a similar function. Moore says you can even use small dog toys like the Ethical Pet Seeker Treat Shuffle Bone Puzzle Dog Toy to help engage your cats in some fun mealtime activities. Hunting for food is only a portion of healthy predation play for indoor cats. Dr. Orlando says that you also need to have a cat, have cat interactive toys available for fun and engaging playtimes. Toys that allow to, the cats to carry out components of the predatory sequence, including stalking, chasing, catching, and biting, can be very rewarding for cats. Plush mice, feathers, and toys that move or can be pulled on a string are all good options. Cats will have their own individual preferences for what they like best, so owners should try multiple types. More suggest using cat toys such as the JW Cataction Wonderfuls cat toy. That's JW. Cat-Taction, C-A-T-A-C-T-I-O-N, wonderfuls. that's W-A, and the Kong Active Feather Teaser Cat Toy. It can be made to move like a bird or a mouse. Dr. Orlando also recommends rotating toys in and out to help prevent cat boredom. Keep in mind, however, that owners should also use caution with some toys that could pose a danger to cats. Things that can be ingested, like string, should be put away when owners cannot directly supervise their cats, says Dr. Orlando. Provide cat scratchers. Cats use several means to mark their territory, including scratching and marking. Dr. Wickerfield explains that scratching, scratching plays an important role in a cat's overall happiness and health. Scratching is an important behavior in cats as it not only helps mark their environment physically, but also with scent. And it helps to keep your cat's nails strong and healthy, too. And I've read that it helps their backs. The stretching that goes into pulling against the... the the scratching surface, and and that's why, just another reason why you should never declaw your cats. So to keep your cat indoor cat happy and not scratching your furniture, it's essential that you provide them with cat scratchers, she says. Most cats typically prefer vertical surfaces and like the surface to be something they can really dig their claws into, like sisal, rope, carpeting, or cardboard. However, when it comes to deciding on a cat scratcher, keep your cat scratching style in mind, Dr. Orlando explains. Some cats prefer vertical surfaces while others like horizontal ones. It's important for the surface to be sturdy and not wobble when the cat uses it. I can remember um, seeing uh, a situation, these were people that had multiple cats and they had a room set up with a big branch of an old tree so the yeah. it it was it was very steadily um, set up so that it didn't move, but it provided vertical and horizontal surfaces that the cats could walk on and they could use for you know, for climbing purposes and for scratching purposes and they loved it. It also they put up some uh, little platforms at various places so the cats had you know, ways to get up high and observe life. There you go. You can try products like the Frisco Cat Scratching Post or the Cat It Lounge Scratcher with Catnip to satisfy your indoor cat's need to scratch in marked territory. Dr. Orlando says for owners who have concerns about encouraging their cats to use their scratching pots, posts rather than the furniture, the product fella Scratch by fellaway is helpful. It mimics the secretions released by paw pad glands when cats scratch and attracts cats to use that surface to scratch. And that's fella Scratch. One word, I fell away, and I think that's worth considering. To further encourage your cat to use a cat scratcher, Dr. Whitfield suggests giving verbal praise and even food rewards to help positively reinforce this normal behavior when it occurs in an appropriate location, which means you have to be observant. You have to see your cat doing it and then right away reinforce it. As prey animals, many cats enjoy having vertical space to feel safe and observed from. And Dr. Whitfield explains, because cats can be prey animals as well as predators, it's important that owners provide places of safety and comfort for their cats. And this includes elevated perches and other hiding spots. You can use cat trees, cat perches, and cat shelves to help them get the elevation they crave. There are a variety of cat houses or condos that can help you Provide your feline family member with a safe spot to hang out. Kitty condos such as the Frisco two-story cat condo indoor cat house that has little hidey holes and even a cardboard box can provide um, cover to help cats feel protected. And Dr. Whitfield says she she also recommends giving your cat their own room with a cat gate if there are children or other animals in the household so the cat has a special retreat where they cannot be disturbed. And according to Dr. Whitfield, an ideal cat setup allows the cat to navigate rooms while entirely elevated from the floor, a feature that's especially important with other animals or children are in the home so the cats can distance themselves if desired. More suggest putting up shelves at various heights to make a fun course for your cat to run through, jumping from shelf to shelf. The K&H Pet Products Easy Window Mount and the Frisco Cat Tree are gate Great examples of easy fixes that can give your kitty some personal space. For elderly or arthritic cats, owners should provide furniture options that allow easier gradual jumps or steps rather than completely vertical fixtures. Dr. Woodfield also suggests providing plant material indoors. Provide plant material to eat. Grow wheatgrass or catnip for kitties to chow down on. And I've known cats that have enjoyed that. Even though cats are carnivores, they can benefit from the vitamins and fiber of, of plant material. And also by providing kitty-safe plants, you may deter your cats from digesting or eating other houseplants or digging into your potted plants, which is something they like to do. A happy cat will have all their needs met, including the dirty ones. Dr. Whitfield emphasizes the importance of a proper setup for the cat litter box. She says litter box setup and maintenance are important for indoor enrichment. Too often, we set the litter box up for our convenience and preferences, such as small covered boxes with scented litter, litter placed in the basement. While some cats might tolerate that, it's really important to keep the comfort and preferences of your cat in mind. She recommends a large uncovered litter box, though preferences can vary from cat to cat, and she recommends using an unscented cat litter. Oh. Remember, it may smell okay to you, but they're, mm-hmm. they've got their nose right in it and are not going to like it. And she encourages bed owners to take their cats outside while making, taking prepper, proper precautions. One of her recommendations is to consider catios, or indoor-outdoor cat enclosures, which allow cats to go outside safely. Take your cat outside. Catios are a current trend that provide a safe area for fresh air and bird watching, she says. If you don't have catio potential in your home, try using a cat harness for some safe outdoor time, according to Dr. Whitfield. You can also leash train your kitty using special harnesses designed for cats, because otherwise they get out of them. Like the pet safe, come with me kitty harness. It's better to start cats out on a harness when they are young because many cats do not like change or new things. That's a real cat thing. However, Dr. Vitzel does add that if you plan on bringing your cat outdoors, don't forget to have your cat properly vaccinated and keep up with flea tick prevention and deworming protocols. If you can't bring your cat outside, she suggests that parents set up a bird feeder or scatter set a seat on the ground near a spot where your cat can perch and look out the window. And think of it as kitty TV. More suggests training your cat as a form of stimulation. Training is wonderful enrichment. It's a great workout for your cat's brain and a great way to bond. Besides these training your cat, there are plenty of other cues you can teach your kitty, ranging from fun tricks to show your friends or training cues. And I can remember when I was working with a family in Mexico, they, they had a, a couple of young children Uh, a new australian puppy and they had a kitty and by golly and we were working with clicker training that puppy and the kitty insisted on being part of it (laughs) (laughs) so here was this kitty you know sitting for getting ready to sit for a treat oh there you go okay so important to environmental enrichment cats are predators so they have natural instincts to stalk chase bite and rip apart prey They also mark their territories through scratching and scenting. Remember, they rub it up against you with their cheeks and so on. And they're leaving a scent. They're stalking. They're they're, marking you. And these are their genetic jobs. Cats can get bored and stressed when they do not have a job or outlet for their energy. And when that happens, they can start engaging in activities humans won't find so much fun. More explains if we can give cat ways. To exercise those natural instincts, they will be more relaxed. And she adds that indoor enrichment is vital to the overall health of the cat. Cats who do not have an enriched environment are prone to diseases such as bladder inflammation, upper respiratory infection, dental disease, and obesity. And people don't get their cats to the veterinarian anywhere near as regularly as they take their dogs there. And that's very important, again teeth problems for cats, just like with dogs, 80% of dogs over about three years of age have periodontal disease as a result of eating kibble and not eating real food. And this is also true for cats. So it's very important that you get your cat off of kibble and onto real food. It makes a huge difference. And one of the, the big problems with cats and kibble is because they evolved as desert animals, they never ever drink as much fluid as they should to properly digest that dry food. And male cats, particularly are prone to health issues are trying to have a difficulty being able to urinate. And that can be a life or death situation.
1: All right, we have reached the end of our time together today, Charlotte. A bunch of great information, some good stuff and some pretty disappointing stuff like this first one from Susan Thixton and uh, her, her Truth About Pet Food website. And apparently they are finding high levels of copper now in the dry dog feed. Now, copper is important, but high levels is, can be dangerous and could cause uh, damaging, damage to the liver. So again, make sure you're taking your dog to the vet. Make sure you know what you're giving your dog. Best way to know what you're putting into your dog is by making it yourself with a home prepared meal. Then we started talking a little bit about antibiotics and the downfalls of them. Um, they can often be overused. Uh, some things that you can give your dog to combat the, the effects of the antibiotics uh, when it comes to the gut health and stuff like that is yogurt. Then of course, some more lying from food, dog feed manufacturers. Apparently they are a new trend with the dog feed manufacturers is to add the words human grade to their, to their uh, packaging. Well, it's misleading. It's often false and misleading because there are some very, very strict regulations when it comes to being able to make the claim of human grade. Be aware of the laws. Be aware of what you're putting in your dog. If you have found a food that is human, that says it's human grade and is not, you should report that to the State Department of Agriculture. And then lastly, from Dr. Jennifer Coates, engaging hunting instincts while feeding your cat. Our cats need just as much love and attention as our dogs Uh, they can get bored pretty easily because you know we often think uh the cat just does what it wants well no we need to engage our cats um you know use toys uh food treats hiding the food or putting a food on the string and watching your cat do the whole uh the the the, uh the predatory sequence of the stalking and the and the jumping and stuff like that so yes cats need just as much love and attention as our dogs All right, Charlotte, that was some good stuff. Before we head out, do you have any last words for us?
2: Okay. Um, How about, this is a Buddhist prayer of compassion. May all beings be free of suffering. And I think that that's, that's something that is so important, but I believe we also have to understand what can cause suffering in our animals. There are many things that can do that, and we really must learn much more than we know now about how to observe our animals and read their needs.
1: To get your questions to us, just email livingwithyourdog at gmail.com. That's livingwithyourdog at gmail.com. And also, you can find Living With Your Dog on Facebook. Living with your dog, living with your dog, living with your dog with Charlotte.
0: Isn't that cool? Check out all the podcasts brought to you by Redwood Sound Labs. Finally, a podcast that's dedicated to talking about your favorite sports movies. Whether you want to hear a breakdown of the plot, arguments about who's the MVP of the film, or crit and lit about it, you'll find it all on Fields of Glory. Listen to the show that will help you live a better life with your beloved pets. It handles topics like proper food, nutrition, positive reinforcement training, and more. Certified dog behavior consultant Charlotte Peltz welcomes your pet concerns and questions in the podcast Living With Your Dog. Zack and Matt are two horror movie enthusiasts of varying experience discussing horror movies through the scope of content, context, and comedy. They'll hit on the good ones in the classics, but they're really excited for the bad ones. Listen to Watch No Evil. Charles is a Purple Heart recipient and cinematographer. Aaron is a professor and critical cultural scholar. Together they explore the narrative, effective, and production politics of war cinema on The Real War Project. That's R-E-E-L War Project.